this is uh, Will Fortaccio. Hi, this is Brian Ezrelli. This is Freddie Williams. Hi, this is Lee Bermeo. Hi, this is Matt Wagner. Hey, this is Tim Sale. Hi, this is Nadia DeFolidis. And Christina Weir. Hey, this is Ethan Van Skybro. Hey, I'm Duffy Wynn. Hi, this is Kevin Van Duffy. You're listening to the Batman Universe Comic Podcast. Welcome to the Batman Universe Comic Podcast. I'm your host, Dustin, and as always, we have with us... It's Apple. You got Josh. And we are bringing the latest comic news from the last two weeks, as well as the comic reviews from the comics that have come out in the past two weeks as well. Um, also, we're going to talk a little bit about um, what we had, what happened at San Diego as far as the comic book side of things not a ton of stuff as far as on the comic book side, so make sure you're listening to the normal podcast next week for a huge discussion of all the stuff that Apple and I had experienced when we were at San Diego. So, let's get into the news. Like I said, there's not a ton of news. On The very first thing we've got is on July 21st, there was uh, Dan DiDio questions Q&As that were posted on Newsrama, but they weren't posted like they normally are. They were posted in video type with five questions, and they released them over a four-day period. So, they post them in video. There's a couple different things that are very slightly having to do with Batman, but there was a couple. So, we're going to play the specific clips that are in reference to Batman, so that way you can hear them straight from us, from Dan to Dio, instead of us reading them to you and making the laugh-out-louds actually laugh-out-louds. Um, let's start with Mercury Mark. Mercury Mark X, do you have a firm time frame on how long Dick Grayson's Batman storylines will run, or is it open-ended until you decide the time is right for Bruce Wayne to come back? Well, Mercury Mark, the answer is yes, we have a definite timeline. Yes, we're all set, but given people's reaction and how things go, that might change. But where we are right now, there is a definite plan in place, so uh, keep paying attention to what's going on in the Batman books. There are clues coming your way very soon on the... The, uh, the storyline involving Bruce Wayne. Okay? Moving right along. Fourth Horseman Rhodes. What is it with the rotating teams on Batman? First Bennis, then Bagley, now Daniels. Who's also writing, though Winnick was the writer originally? I enjoy a consistent writer. If both sides of the team are being changed, there is a reason for this. Actually, one of the things we wanted to do is that we, we were working with uh, Ed Bennis, but unfortunately some commitments moved him off when, uh, when um, Judd Winnick's story started. So then we brought Mark Bagley in, who was just wrapping up his work on Trinity, and it was a great thing for Mark to step on board because he really brought a lot of energy to those pages. Uh, the Tony Daniel arc that we're doing right now is something that Tony was very interested in doing coming off of Battle for the Cal, and we wanted to bring it into the regular book, and then we have more stories coming away with Judd. But the best part is that all these things are fully thought out, working together, and you'll give a lot of sense of continuity and consistency from issue to issue. So hopefully you won't feel like things are switching all around. Moving right along after that, Frangay11 wrote, Will DC Comics have Terry McGinnis back in the comic books anytime soon? Frank A., the answer is yes. All right, so that's the stuff we've got. The, the, obviously, the biggest thing that out of both of those is that Terry McGinnis, who I'd say, what was it, three, four months ago, somebody asked about Terry McGinnis. At the same time, uh, they were doing the Spider-Man, uh, the future Spider-Man issues. They asked Dan DiDio, any, any idea of when we're going to put Terry McGinnis back in the books? And he said, oh, I don't think we're going to be doing that anytime soon because uh, it just doesn't follow what we're doing in the books. And now he's saying Terry McGinnis might be in the books a little bit sooner than we thought. I'm glad to know that the editor-in-chief of DC Comics knows what's going on. I, I, 
I, I, I mean, I don't know how to feel about Batman Beyond. I mean, I, I'm, I'm not a big fan of it. I mean, of course, I love, you know, everything Batman, but that's just one part I just really hold way down there. It's just a fun alternate future, and it's an alternate future, you know? I mean, I don't know why people are getting so wrapped up in, oh, if Batman Beyond comes out, then that means that we know that this is going to happen and that's going to happen. It's, it's just an alternate future, and it's not the first one that we've had in the DCU. I just find it funny that uh, Dan is like, oh, no Terry McGinnis, but supposedly he's coming, like, real soon, so it sounds like the plans were actually already in the works at that point, and Dan DiDio just didn't know. Which would not surprise me in the very least. Well, he's got to, you know, look through those pan and suit catalogs to find out how they're sold in. <laughs> So the other thing was, on Monday, July 20th, all the solicitations for October were announced. There's a lot of them. That's actually what we're going to be discussing in our discussion for this episode, because there's a lot of books coming out in October, and we don't really understand why. So we'll get to that a little bit later. On July 22nd, the next part of the Dan Deal questions uh, posted on Newsarama, and there was a question specifically about Batgirl, and basically... All that really happened was that they reaffirmed the predictions that we've been making as far as who's going to be Batgirl. So let's play that clip. Next one up is Classic Bat wrote. Classic Bat wrote three questions. I guess we'll count them as one, uh, if I can read them fast enough. Is DC afraid that because of the teases uh, we are getting uh, for the upcoming Batgirl and no confirmation of who Batgirl will be uh, will hurt the series before it's ever released? Absolutely not. Um, DC can't decide who Becker will be, then wouldn't it have been in their best interest to, of DC to create a miniseries focusing on each Irwin under the Batgirl column, uh, which must have no reason to do that. Um, is DC also afraid that if Bat's, uh, Bab's mobility is not restored and she is not restored to her former idea as Batgirl, that can alienate her fan base and cause a backlash to the book and result in failure of the scene? We know who she's going to be, we know the type of story we're going to tell, and we know how well it works with the Batman universe. So hopefully everybody really gets excited about it like we do, and more importantly, uh, stays on board, because we think it's a good run. All right, so that's the next section. Obviously, like I said, it just reconfirms what we've been saying all along about how Stephanie Brown's most likely going to be Batgirl. That's what it reconfirms in my mind, I should say. I think that's what it's going to sound like. I mean, it sounded like that, so, I mean, why not? (laughs) We've already gone over this ad nauseum. Everyone knows why we think it's going to be her and how it's narrowed down, but like I said, if you were, if you had to be all Batman and detective and you had to pile the clues together, every single clue that we've had the last few months, if you put them consistently, including solicitations and everything, Stephanie Brown is one of the only ones that really comes out of it. And again, they said that it's going to be somebody on that Batgirl board. And uh, a lot of the other guesses, like Wendy the Calculator's daughter, who used to be my guess, is not on there. So needless to say, there's not all, it's been reduced. So that actually brings us into another point. So on Friday, July 24th, was the DC Batman Dynamic panel at San Diego Comic-Con. Obviously, me and Apple were both there. 
and we took notes for everything that they discussed. Now, honestly, there wasn't a whole lot of news that really got mentioned. There was just little bits and pieces that they they pointed out to everyone. What was really interesting about the panel is that there was only a specific amount of people announced to be there, and they were Mike Martz, Paul Dini, Dustin Wen, Greg Rucka, and that was it. That's all they said were going to be there. But it, it turned out that almost every single person who's on one or the uh, one of the books was there. So Mike Martz was there. Philip Tan, who will be working on Batman the Robin, was there. Paul Dini, Dustin Wen. Then there was... Uh, Brian Miller, who's going to be working on Batgirl, uh, Derek Friedels, who's working on Streets of Gotham with Paul Dini and Dustin Wayne, Greg Rucka, uh, Fabian was there, who's going to be working on Azrael, and then we've got Chris Yost, who's working on not only uh, Red Robin, but he's also going to be doing a two-part uh, story in Streets of Gotham in October as well. So that's who ended up showing up. It was pretty big surprise because the panel was loaded with people and they obviously they had no idea what was going on because they didn't even have uh the name tags up front for everyone yeah i mean that was that was pretty cool that was pretty interesting to see all of them up there but i mean that was pretty for for all of them to be there i mean the room was like packed and this is a huge room but for all those guys to be there i mean that, that was pretty cool for them to answer like all the questions that they were asked I forgot to mention, Mark Andreco was there too. He's actually writing the Manhunter co-feature in Streets of Gotham. So pretty much anybody and everybody who's working in Streets of Gotham was there. Um, anyway, so let's go over a couple of the points that were made. Um, these are just bullets that we're going to run down. Um, they made a very specific point to say that Batman is not dead, he is just missing. Which obviously goes against a lot of what they've said in the past, but kind of goes in line with what's going on as far as um, as far as what's going on in Red Robin where Red Robin is actually going out and trying to find Bruce Wayne when he said that I mean of course everyone um, that was reading the blackest night kind of kind of almost felt like that because Bruce Wayne didn't get a black ring so I think they kind of had to come out at the panel and say some reference to that and I think what's going on in Blackest Night also has a lot to do with the fact that he's not dead because he's not showing up. Uh, they made it seem like he was going to show up, but he's not, so that means he's probably not dead. Alright, so Philip Tan said that Red Hood and Scarlet will be in issue number four of Batman and Robin. So we can look forward to them being actually playing a role in the, in the book. Um, it'll be interesting to see how exactly Scarlet will play a role considering she looks just like any of the other uh, circus freak women who have, or men or women or whatever that have the masks over their face. So that'll be interesting to see what part she plays specifically. Um, Paul Dini said that in upcoming issues of Gotham City Sirens, the Joker will be playing a pretty prominent role, um, specifically because what we saw in the latest issue of Gotham City Sirens was that Hush slash Bruce Wayne slash Tommy Elliot kidnaps Harley Quinn, and in a future issue, Joker doesn't like the idea that that's going on, so he gets involved in the books. This will be, I think, the first time that we've seen the Joker since uh, the end of Batman R.I.P. Yep. 
And I guess that that kind of, you know, uh, messes up some people's theories that he's this new Red Hood. One theory that I heard is because of the whole uh, black and red, black and red theme um, that was in Batman R.I.P. when Damien pushes the Joker's ambulance off the bridge, it like resets the Joker's mind into black and red, and then he becomes the Red Hood. Guess we need some new theories. Yeah. All right. So Paul Dini also said that Mr. Zaz will be will play a very prominent role in Streets of Gotham starting in August. He said that they've got. Uh, a really nice story for Mr. Zaz that hasn't really been ever told and Mr. Zaz will basically be the prominent character in the the book as far as the villain for quite some time. So that'll be interesting because besides, what was it, the last Arkham in Shadow of the Bat, Mr. Zaz really hasn't been featured all that often as a prominent character. Right. Okay, so then they talked about Batgirl, and they said a couple different things. They said they could not talk about anything having to do with the book. Um, specifically, Brian Miller was there, but it was almost as if he was there just to say, hey, I'm working on Batgirl, read it in August, because they literally did not talk about anything at all. They specifically said that the only thing that they could say was that Betty Kane is not Batgirl but she will appear in some future issues of Detective Comics when they talk about the um, origin of Kate Kane and how she became Batwoman. Yeah, if anyone thought that Betty Kane was um, Batgirl, remember this. They said that it was somebody on the board. Look at that board, everybody. Is Betty Kane on the board? No. No. So I don't know why you think, oh, DC's tricking us. It's really Betty Kane. Yeah, especially since... um it was almost as if they said Betty Kane was not Batgirl, just so they could put out the rumors that it, it could possibly be. But what was interesting was they, they, DC actually, Mike Marks actually asked the crowd, he said, you know, who thinks so-and-so is Batgirl? But he only listed off three choices. His three choices were Barbara Gordon, Cassandra Kane, and Stephanie Brown. He didn't li- they didn't list anybody else. They didn't even ask about anybody else. Then all of a sudden, Brian Miller said, well... Is there anybody else that you guys are thinking about? And there was a couple people who said some different things. Um, somebody said uh, Misfit, but they said uh, her real name, Charlotte, uh, what is it, Charlotte Gage Radcliffe or something like that. And nobody even on the, nobody on the panel even knew who that was, which was funny. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I was on, I'm not going to say the name of it, but I was on another message board where people are apparently die-hard Batgirl and die-hard Barbara Gordon fans, die-hard in that they've read every story. And when somebody said that Misfit might be the new Batgirl, they were like, who's Misfit? Yeah. So I was like, yeah. So somebody hasn't read stories for the last few years. Yeah. All right, so moving right along, they said that Jeremy Hahn, who, we, as we know, worked on the Arkham Asylum one-shot, will be taking over the art duties for Manhunter number four, the co-feature in the back of Streets of Gotham. In Detective Comics, there's going to be some swapping around with the question actually being the main feature and Batwoman become the co-feature for a couple issues. Um, They mentioned that the Batgirl costume (laughs) is going to be changing because... or the Batgirl costume is going to be changing through the first three issues 
and that's why we've been seeing different versions of the costume on the covers, specifically because after issue four, back or in issue four, Batgirl will actually have a brand new costume that nobody's ever seen before. So you hear me laughing in the background as Dustin's reading this news. It's because what? They're reducing Batwoman to a secondary feature? I thought that this was the comics event of the century. Yeah. I thought that uh, <laughs> critics were ranting and raving. Got a second printing, so it can't be that bad. That's true. It's selling out like that. Well, it's good, but they just overhyped it. I mean, I liked it, but I didn't like it more than like any book in the last ten years. I'm like, my God, they've been hyping this thing. Okay, so then the last two things they said: Batman Beyond will be taking on a larger role within the DC universe. I guess that's hinting back to the Dan DiDio questions. And then they said that Black Mask will be in a bunch of the upcoming storylines and will come in contact with Catwoman. Specifically, Black Mask will take a part with, uh, in Batman with Tony Daniels' storylines starting in October as well. So like I said, there's not a whole lot of news that actually came out of the panel itself. Um, just basically more little bits of information that we probably would have been fed on the on the the source blog if uh comic-con didn't happen you know i think the um what what they had mentioned also from the uh the panel was that uh though the dandy deal thing where you may have mentioned about batman beyond i think um ian ian sadler had really mentioned towards the costume part of batman beyond was going to be uh one of the focuses in the upcoming book. So I want to see how that plays out. Yeah. It'll be interesting if it was just Batman can fly. <laughs> right, where you can spread the wings. Yeah, you can <laughs> spread the wings and he can fly, and that's all. And the funny thing is that Batman Beyond is actually playing a bigger role that could explain why DC Direct is releasing a Batman Beyond figure sometime in the next six months as well. So that's interesting as well. I think yeah, that's yeah. I think it's January that that figure is coming out. Yeah, January of 2010. So, needless to say, that could have all been pre-planned, which means they announced January's solicitation, or, well, products for uh, DC Direct back in, what was it, two, three months ago? So, uh, yeah, Dan DiDio either really didn't know what was going on, or he was just out of the loop, or trying to throw people off, I don't know. Yeah, I, I don't think it was that clever about throwing people off. When this comes out, the whatever's going on with Batman Beyond, it's um it's going to be interesting to see people's reactions because there's still going to be people that don't understand that it's an alternate future and they're going to be looking for clues like within the story. Especially because in the animated series, uh, Barbara Gordon was commissioner and she was walking, so it would be funny if like in if they do the Batman Beyond thing and they show Barbara Gordon as commissioner, she's always sitting at her desk. They never show her standing up so you don't know if she's still crippled or not. Just to tease the fans. Go away. Morning, Commish. You understand English, McGinnis? Scram. Love to. But first, what can you tell me about clowns? In this town they're never funny. Alright, so the next bit of news we've got is also at San Diego Comic-Con, Warner Brothers announced that they're releasing some new motion comics. These are going to be available for a limited time on iTunes, and there's a bunch of different ones that they've released. Uh, well, 
when I say a bunch, I mean three different series, but out of the three series, two of them were Batman-related. So as we know, we saw Batman Black and White um, before. That was a Volume 1. Now they're releasing a Volume 2, or they're calling it Collection 2. And that will actually include a bunch of different titles. I'll be watching The Call, Monsters in the Closet, A Game of Bat and Rat, Hands, Sunrise, In Dreams, Heroes, Legend, and Blackout. So those are all the ones. Um, there's a lot of different ones that are written. Uh, for instance, I'll be watching is written by Ed Brudebaker. So uh, there's a bunch of different ones that it'd be interesting just to see. They're actually available on iTunes right now. The other th one that they announced, which they've announced in the past, but they actually said that they are now available, is Batgirl Year One, the nine-issue miniseries that came out, uh, I want to say it was about five years ago that it came out in, obviously, the paperback form. Now it's being released in motion comics, so you can get that also on iTunes now as well. And that's pretty cool. The motion comics to have on your like on your iPod whenever you're bored at work or just where even if your wife's out shopping, you know, you can have those motion comics right at your hand. So the only motion comic that I've seen is uh, the Watchmen one that they did, and they had one guy doing the voice for everybody. And when he got to the girl, he you know he really tried, and it was just kind of funny. Uh, I'm, I'm wondering how it's going to go into Batman, because you know, everybody tries to do the Batman voice. Yeah, I, I personally didn't like the Watchmen comics, but I thought the black and white motion comics that they released was pretty good. Right. Yeah, and of course, because they're doing Batgirl Year One, all the Barbara Gordon fans have been saying on forums, oh, why would they be releasing that unless she was going to become Batgirl again? Yeah. Well, why are they releasing Batman black and white then? It's not like that's foreshadowing everything. That means that Batman is only going to be black and white from now on. That means, because Bruce Wayne's Batman in that story, that means that Bruce Wayne's secretly back and he's masquerading as Dick Grayson. Yeah. Right. Dick Grayson's in the cave. <laughs> Who is this Batgirl? 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 Batgirl! 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 Bats! I'm surrounded by bats! Right, so moving on to the next bit of news. Um, also over at Com or over during Comic Con, um, Detective Comics actually was presented with an award. Um, over the weekend, Detective Comics was awarded with a world record, and DC Comics president and publisher Paul Levitz accepted the award on behalf of DC Comics from the Guinness Book of World Records, recognizing Detective Comics as the longest-running comic book periodical in the United States. So all I have to say is those things that we heard about possibly, you know, ending Batman and Detective Comics and starting fresh, probably not a good idea because they could have lost that record. Yeah, and you know what? Nobody's ever even going to come close to that record again because nowadays if something happens in a comic book, they will relaunch it a million times. If you get a new writer, the book will be relaunched. Or if the book hits issue 100, they say, well, the numbering's too confusing for new, new, for new readers. Let's relaunch it again. Find me any book aside from The Flash that's over, like, issue 200 right now. That's not, you know, Action Detective, Batman, or whatever. 
because it doesn't happen anymore. So go Detective Comics for, you know, doing it. As long as they keep putting issues out, they'll still have the record. Yeah, I mean, whether if it's Batman or Batwoman, you know, or Question, I guess, you know, co, you know, starring in it. All right, so then there's only one last bit of news right during the Comic-Con or the right at the end. Newsarama posted up a video basically talking to Dan DiDio specifically about Batman and what the future holds for the different books. So we're going to play that clip. It's a little bit long, so just listen up and uh, hear what Dan DiDio has to say about Batman's future. Hey everybody, Alex Albert here for Newsarama.com. We are at the DC offices talking to Dan Dio. Thanks for staying with us. My pleasure. <laughs> so let's talk to talk to talk about Batman. Uh, Batman, Bruce Wayne, gone somewhere, missing, dead, who knows. Uh, but the new line is completely different. So yep. talk about how it's going so far, how the Bat universe is different. Um, easiest way to, to, to say it is better than expected. Um, <laughs> honestly, because it's, it's a real roll of the dice when you remove a character as iconic as Bruce Wayne from the mix. Mm -hmm. um, it's a lot different than some of the other characters coming and going. Right. Uh, so much of what Batman is is built upon who Bruce Wayne is. Uh, but more importantly, uh, we knew that Dick Grayson was as integral to the Batman and Robin Lore as Bruce was. So by, re by using Dick Grayson placing, replacing Batman, we felt that we weren't taking as big a as, big a risk as possible. Um, the fun part about it, fun part about it is that, is that people have really embraced uh, Dick Grayson's role as Batman. Uh, and they're really excited to see what else comes out of it. So, um... That gives me great hope for the, for the next year because we have a lot of exciting stories to tell um, uh, with the characters. I mean, but then again, when you have people like Grant Morrison, Paul Dini involved in writing the character, you know you do pretty well. Um, and, you know, and, and I think Judd has done a wonderful job on Batman. Also, you know, telling a little bit of the backstory and a little of the emotional take of what happened, uh, filling in the gaps from the, uh, from the Battle for the Cal up until um, Dick Grayson's put on the Cal. Uh, and we're going to get a chance to see some of Batman's favorite characters, or most, I shouldn't say favorite characters, some of Batman's favorite villains returning, uh, as well as a whole bunch of new villains coming on board. Great. Uh, let's, uh, let's run down the titles and talk about them a little sure. bit. Uh, first, Batman and Robin. One of the things that I think is so fascinating about that in particular is it seems like one of the most emotionally grounded mm. pieces of work that Grant Morrison has done. Is that something that you went for when you were setting up the title, or is uh, that just me? Being it's, no, it's not at all. It's, it's Grant... And it's, Grant has a complete understanding of the story. Mm -hmm. um, and I, I also want to tell people, too, that the interesting thing is Batman and Robin is an ongoing series. It's not finite. Uh, so regardless of what people think uh, this story has a beginning, middle, and end, uh, the series of Batman and Robin, as written by Grant Morrison, will continue. It's something that uh, he has... Uh, a few years where the story's already thought out. Uh, he has a lot of brand new villains thrown into the mix, as we've already seen with the first couple of issues. He's created a fantastic new dynamic between Dick Grayson and young Damian Wayne. And we're really getting a chance to explore both those characters, on a, on, as you said, on a very human level, uh, with very fanciful stories that, uh, that fill the world. So I, th I think he's just done a masterful job on that. Uh, you know, we understood uh, the limitations and the, the quality of, of, of Frank Quietly's work, so we're happy to have him on the first three issues. He is coming back for more issues later on in the year, or not this year, but into next year. But we have some other great artists coming on board. Next one up is Philip Tan, and you'll see different rotating art teams coming through there. I think each one in the, unique in their own right, but all really been able to embrace Grant's story and really bring them to uh, bring it to a new level. Yeah, uh, Batman. What would you say the uh, moving on to that for sure. a moment? Uh, what would you say the uh, pitch behind that is? What's the impetus behind Batman, and what makes it different from Batman and Robin? Well, Batman and Robin is about the dynamic between uh, Damian Wayne and Dick Grayson, and you know how uh, the student becomes the mentor. 
and really is in how he has to work with a very impetuous kid, not much unlike himself uh, that he was when he was younger also. So there's an interesting dynamic that's set up there. Plus, we have a lot of new characters uh, and exploring new corners of the, the Batman world. In Batman itself, we're really exploring Dick Grayson, him, the character as we know him to be in the DC Universe, in the sense that uh, it's much more grounded in a lot of the more traditional aspects of the continuity. It's also more of a solo book to explore who Dick is by himself. And more importantly, it, we get a chance to see his, his growth into the role as an individual, not as a member of a team. Uh, Batwoman Detective Comics. Yes. Uh, this obviously has been a big hit with the fans. Are Greg Rucka and J.H. Williams III, are they on it for the long haul? Well, one of the things we did, and you know, I, I know there was a lot of rumors and discussion about this book in production for a while, and, and it was in production for a while. Uh, but I think when you see J.H.'s artwork, you understand why. Uh, it's some of the most beautiful stuff we've seen to date in comics. Um, and more importantly, they've really crafted a, a, a full story with the character uh, that basically explores who she is as a, as a hero, uh, but also gets into her origin. So you, you're going to see a nice little run with those guys. Great. Uh, Gotham City Sirens. Uh, there's been a lot of talk in comics lately, I think, about uh, Cheesecake and whatnot. But I think a lot of people were surprised by this title. Tell us a little bit about it. I, the fun part about the Gotham City Sirens is that um, it is our, our Bad Girls team book, no <laughs> doubt. Uh, but the reason why we're able to create that book is because we have some wonderful bad girl characters in Batman's world with Catwoman, with Harley and Ivy. Uh, and more importantly, we have an incredibly strong writer in Paul Dini telling those stories. Um, and one of the things I found most interesting about the series when we started is that this is Paul Dini's first time ever writing Harley Quinn in continuity, believe it or not. So that was exciting for us because he gets a chance to return to a character he created, and which he's never been on before, theoretically. Um, and uh, more importantly, uh, he has a real understanding of Catwoman from his run on Detective, and I think he really created a brand new dynamic for these characters uh, that goes past the cheesecake mantle. Yeah. And last but not least, uh, Streets of Gotham. Tell us a little bit about what the idea behind the title is, because it's certainly a unique perspective. Well, again, it's in the Streets of Gotham, and also from Paul, because Paul knows how to really explore all the corners of Batman's world and Gotham City, about all the characters that inhabit it. Uh, he made some really interesting uh, progression with the Riddler character during Detective. You'll see more of that in Streets of Gotham. Uh, you also see the dynamic of how Gotham City moves forward without uh, Batman. That's a lot of fun stuff. Plus, also, you're going to see uh, his take on the Dick Grayson uh Dick Grayson, Batman in the two, which I think will be fun to see. Uh, this is a guy who's, you know, who's written Batman in so many medium, uh, and it's fun to see him ta his, his take on this character as well. Yeah. And in terms of the Bat titles as a whole, in terms of the line, you know, not to act like a fan, but a lot of people are not quite sure that Bruce Wayne is actually dead. Is there an end game? I don't think I've ever said Bruce Wayne's dead. Yeah. Do you know that? I think we've done so many interviews over the years, uh, over the years, over, the, over this time, and, uh, and I don't think we've ever said Bruce Wayne is dead. I think there's, there's a very clear answer to what's going on at the conclusion of Final Crisis. Yeah. I don't think we've anything, done anything to dissuade from that. Yeah. Uh, but more importantly, um, those beats from Final Crisis you'll see playing out in both Blackest Night and in Batman and Robin and throughout the, uh, throughout the Batman line uh, from the remainder of the year and into 2010. Alright, so that's what Dan DiDio has to say. Obviously, like I said, there's not a ton of news that's out of it. It's basically, if you haven't been reading the books, that's his description to everyone who's not reading the books. Okay, so the last bit of news we have is something that's actually not posted up on the site uh, in the news section. If you were following our San Diego Comic-Con coverage, we got a lot of videos. And one of the people that we were lucky enough to interview was Jim Lee, who is there for DC Universe Online. Um, 
what was interesting was we threw in a lot of questions to some people who are obviously working on multiple projects at once. And one of the things we said to Jim Lee was, so what's going on with All-Star Batman and Robin? And we're going to play his specific answer for that because there's not only some really good explanation of why we haven't seen it, but also he gives us some exclusive news that nobody else has that tells you guys what to expect in the upcoming issues. Now for the, the Batman fans that are comic book fans, uh, of course, you know I'm going to ask about the All-Star. Okay. Uh, uh, Dan DiDio did in the 20 questions with the Newsarama that your art was done. What part are we waiting for as far as that book right it, now? It's completely my fault. Frank Miller has written uh, issues uh, 11 and 12, I believe. And uh, uh, it's just me finding the time to sit down and draw the pages. And I feel horrible that, that it's fallen so far behind. But at the same time, enough time has passed where people think like, is it continuing? Like so, I think when we come back and we have some issues in the in the drawer, that we're really releasing like sort of the second half of the story. Uh, luckily, it kind of ended on a on a uh, an emotional sort of uh, not high point, but it you know the first story arc gave you a complete a sense of completion at the end because sort of Batman has accepted Robin as his as his sidekick essentially. And uh, the second half of the story uh, will obviously deal with uh, the mystery of, of how his parents were killed and stuff like that. And the, how does the Joker fit into all this? And um, so I am working on it. There's some killer Gotham City spreads. Uh, what they saw, like, this is, this, this is news here. Uh, you know, we did that whole Batcave pullout where you could see the whole Batcave and all the cool stuff in it. I'm doing a, a, a five-page Gotham City pullout, where you're going to see the, the entire city from the, the Batcopter's point of view. It's uh, it's pretty dynamite, so there's some killer stuff in it. And that, that's an exclusive, right, Jim? It is exclusive, yeah. <laughs> that's how tired I am. I'm spilling all the beans right now. <laughs> well, thanks for giving that for the Batman universe, and uh, thanks for uh, joining us today, Jim. Hey, my pleasure. Alright, so that was exclusive news straight from the mouth of Jim Lee. You can't get better than that. Um, I'm Honestly, super looking forward to the pullout of Gotham City just because I love the pullout of the Batcave that they did in, I think it was issue four or five. You know what, it, like how he was describing the pullout, I was like, you know what, they better hope, I hope they bring this out in a poster. Because the way he was talking, and man, it, it just got you excited. Like, okay, I wanted to ask him, like, okay, is it going to be a poster too? <laughs> so uh, I hope it's just not just a pullout in the book. I hope they bring out a poster too. Alright, so that's going to bring us into book news. Um, we've got a couple different books coming out in the next couple weeks. The very first one, on August 5th, we've got Nightwing The Great Leap. The solicitation reads, When the Dark Knight adversary Two-Face tries to take a bite out of the Big Apple, it's up to Nightwing to pluck the city from the crazed madman's grasp. In this volume, collecting Nightwing number 147 through 153, the final issues of the series tying into Batman R.A.P. If you remember correctly, it did not tie in very well. Yeah. And the last few issues, it, it was a great storyline, but the last few issues dragged on forever. We got like 10 pages of Batman, Alfred, and Tim Drake eating popcorn and watching TV staring at an empty chair. Yeah. And a whole issue of Bat of Nightwing and Ra's al Ghul saying, Batman's dead. Oh, he's dead. Doesn't this suck? Yeah. All right, let's go. If you really want this... Book. It's going to cost you $19.99. It's 192 pages. Moving on to August 12th, we've got The Complete Hush, 
Batman The Complete Hush, and this is the epic crime thriller that rejuvenated the Cape Crusader is now available in one place as a trade paperback. In this story of murder, mystery, and romance, Batman sets out on a simple mission to discover the identity of the mysterious villain wreaking havoc in his life known as Hush. But Batman ends up facing possibly the most intense case of his life as secrets from his past flood into the present and the most notorious villains to ever haunt Gotham City's street attack simultaneously. Guest starring the Dark Knight's greatest allies and enemies, this collection features Batman number 608 through 619, as well as the six-page segment from Wizard number 0 and a two-page origin story that appeared at DCComics.com. From the best-selling writer Jeff Loeb and superstar artist Jim Lee comes the long-awaited collection. This is going to be $24.99, and it's going to be 320 pages. If you're a beginner Batman fan, I think it's worth it, because the art is really good. The story has its flaws, but it's still really enjoyable. And like I said, if you're a beginner, it's basically Batman 101. They introduce you to everybody. And I said this on another podcast. Every single human being that Bruce Wayne bumps into, they have a little monologue saying, oh, that's Alfred Pennyworth. He's my butler. He raised me. Oh, look, there's Tim Drake. Tim Drake, who is a little young boy who discovered the identities of myself and Dick Grayson. Now he's Robin. Oh, look, there's Biden. Et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And that's why one of the things is that they make it out to be is a relaunching of the character because before that, I mean, the books weren't bad in my opinion because Scott McDaniel was doing the arts and I like Scott McDaniel's art, but nonetheless, they weren't as popular. Hush really just made it back into the popular range of things. Right. And I mean, of course, having Jim Lee do it, but man, they have like so many printings of these, man, about that, uh, the absolute Hush one. That, yeah. that I love that, those big oversized books. I love those books. I remember when it came out and they cured Two-Face and it's like, oh, so he's just Harvey Dent now. Yeah, I give it a year or two. <laughs> and uh, what happened a year or two later? Huh. <laughs> All right, also, so the, the Riddler, thing. knowing uh, Batman's identity, that didn't take either, did it? All right, so that's going to bring us reversed. into the other book that we've got on August 12th, which is Robin's Search for a Hero. The solicitation reads, The Boy Wonder attempts to deal with the fallout from Batman R.A.P. in this new title collecting... Robin number 175 to 183, the final issues of the series. With Batman gone from Gotham City, Robin must stop the gang warfare that threatens to overrun the city. And what does the mysterious Red Robin have to do with the situation? This can be 1999 and 208 pages. That was pretty good, actually. I think that one, I was reviewing those issues for the earlier podcast. I gave most of them 5 out of 5 batterings. It's a good series. If you haven't read it, it might. Be, it, it, it. I'm going to say it's worth picking up. Yeah, and if some of you are wondering why is Tim Red Robin, this kind of you know tells you how that evolution came from. Let's get into comic book reviews, and the very first comic we are going to be reviewing is Batman Streets of Gotham, number two. Now, this was written by Paul Dini, art by Dustin Wen, and had the Manhunter co-feature in the back. Now, if you haven't been reading this series, it's actually, it's classic Paul Dini. Um, In the last issue, we remember Firefly had 
his hideout in a place that was called Mount Vesuvius, which most people know as the volcano that erupted and froze everybody in uh, lava in Pompeii. Um, I'm sure maybe not everybody knows that, but whatever. Anyway, at the end of the last issue, he's, Firefly sets the entire city on fire. So, for some reason, uh, they're in Wayne Tower, and Alfred sees Tommy Elliot actually on fire, is, is concerned, runs up there, um, sees him on fire, and finds out that it was actually a trick, and somehow um, overpowers Alfred and escapes, locking Alfred in the cage, and he runs off. Then we cut over to Firefly, who is saying how he is doesn't need to be teamed up with Black Mask anymore, and he gave him all the money that he needed, and he has all of the best armor. Then we cut over to this character that we first saw last issue, too, who was named Abuse, and he's taking out some thugs, and he gets approached by the Batmobile, which this is a really cool Batmobile. And Batman and Robin pop out, and they say to him, what are you doing? And he says, you know, it's not like we're the first time out. It's obviously, um, you can't, it's, it's not like you can't remember who I am. So we obviously know that Abuse is some vigilante that Bruce, in the past, has worked with, who is okay with. So, they are, uh... The cops show up, the firefighters show up, and then there's the girl that we saw last issue, whose name was Kate, who has this little thing in her arm that Firefly put in it, and they ask her some questions about, do you know who put it in your arm? He's, she describes somebody who could basically fit the description of anybody. They end up finding um, a tracker that in the device that actually they... they mirror back so they can find out where it's being tracked to and it's the Club Vesuvius. So they show up or they, they start driving there and all of a sudden Black Mask shows up at Club Vesuvius and Firefly and Black Mask have it out for about two seconds until Black Mask realizes that Firefly no longer has the thing in him to make him die. So Black Mask orders his um, thugs to kill Firefly. Firefly sets off an explosion and Black Mask is taken out as Firefly is about to set Black Mask on fire. Batman and Robin burst in with the Batmobile and Firefly takes off through the roof. Um, Batman actually attaches himself with a grapple gun and leaving Robin to kind of take out Black Mask and do what he needs to do while Batman tries to capture Black Mask. This is where we lead into Zaz. Zaz comes out of nowhere and actually bats Robin over the head so that Black Mask can escape. And Mr. Zaz said, I've been taking it, take, take it easy, Black Mask. I've been watching, waiting. I knew all the others would turn on you. And Black Mask says, I, I won't forget this. And Zaz says, I'm counting on it. So that's obviously leading into what we can expect in future issues as well. So Firefly is flying around the city. Batman atta attached to him with the grapple gun and all of a sudden Batman takes out Firefly's jet launcher thing and he can't shoot his fire anymore. They crash into a billboard which hilariously enough is for the Iceberg Lounge going back into classic Paul Dini writing and then we see Firefly he bursts into a uh, building where he starts on fire, the firefighters put it out and arrest him, 
Then we go back to Wayne Tower, where Damien is kind of ticked off that he let Zaz get the upper hand on him. And then, basically, um, what happens is Dick puts out an alert to everybody in the Justice League, telling them all Tommy Elliott's escaped, he looks like Bruce Wayne, blah, blah, blah. Then, all of a sudden, on the TV screen, they see that Bruce Wayne is about to do a press conference right in front of the building, where he announces to everyone that he is going to be giving $1 billion a month to the city of Gotham to have the entire city be safe and be rebuilt. So, the Justice League is kind of surprised, Ra's al Ghul is kind of surprised, and that's what happens. So then we cut over to what's going on in the Manhunter co-feature, which is basically she has just found out that Jane Doe is the character, and she's trying to figure out who this Jane Doe character is. Uh, she goes back to her office, and she's talking to her assistant, who's telling her it's very difficult to find any information concerning Jane Doe is the name that you would have for anybody who doesn't have a real thing. Um, she goes to Arkham Asylum to actually meet Dr. Arkham, and he tells her all the different stories about Jane and how she came to be and how she can just basically, she's a skinless person who can put skins of other people on herself. Um, she leaves, and she's about to drive back to her office when all of a sudden, right behind her, in her car is Jane Doe and saying, I've been so I hear you've been searching for me. Well, here I am. Now what do you want to do? And that's the end of the Manharticle feature. So that's the end of Streets of Gotham. Firefly. Batman. <laughs> I see you survived your crack up. Okay, and that's gonna take us into issue twenty of The Outsiders, part of the Batman Reborn. And what it starts off is we start off with the outsiders inside um, the Batcave and Alfred's right there. And, of course, he's holding court. They're doing their investigation upon uh, this dead man. What this dead man had last left was a code, like a writing within um, within, uh, I, I guess, a clue for the outsiders to find. And what they're trying to find out is the significance between the code and the like this meteor little rock that they have. And so uh, Alfred suggests that this code is more important, that they should focus in on, on that. And, of course, uh, as it goes through, they find some importance to being with the rock. And, of course, uh, Brian is um, starting to be affected by this rock and he feels like the earth is being torn between itself and so what then happens is that Alman then finds out that the the numbers actually are meaning uh latitude and longitude so it puts some right smack down in uh Havmak, iceland and what we find there is a cave within this cave we find vandal savage and raz al ghul and of course they're talking about their their plans and of course their long lives and kind of like the parallels of themselves and um what looks really interesting is that this cave almost reminded me of uh uh what do you call it the uh a final crisis where we last saw bruce wayne right well supposedly bruce wayne riding on a wall and that's that's kind of funny that i got that out of the cave right there but um and what's funny too josh is that uh vandal savage is here wearing only pants when you see him in another scene so i just i thought it was just kind of coincidence that they drew it like that 
But uh, then they just talk about their uh, their experiences and how their immort their immortality has been kind of like the same. So they go off into their mission. And what he's trying to do is Vandal Savage is trying to collect these mini rocks, and of course that's what the ins- the the outsiders already had had. And so um, we then pop into the creeper. Tom, it looks like he's taking out like uh, a security unit uh, within the security unit. He's of course he's just going off, and he has the very familiar "Oh Allah Joker ha ha ha's" uh, written all over the security guards. And um, as he's going through, of course he's mocking the security guards as he's going. And uh, it then takes us into the the subterranean layer of the insiders. Okay, and so they're of course they're doing their 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 uh, their uh, experiments, and um, we then see Vandal Savage come right in and just like completely break up the party. And he's coming in for what he's saying. What's his? Of course, he's coming for those uh, for the meteor rocks. And so as he's coming in, it looks like he has the League of Assassins right behind him. And as they go through, of course, they say, you know, it seems that you can take the man out of the cave, but but not the cave out of the man. And so uh, he then goes through and, of course, all hell breaks out. And, they, of course, they all fight each other. And you see the, like these protective units uh, going around this, um, the, the what they call the, the tractor. And so uh, this is where it looks like where they're holding the meteorite. So then you see Raza Gul come into action, and then they're like, of course, they're blown away. Like, whoa, what's our, what's Raz doing here? And so the outsiders then join in. Uh, they come in, and of course, you know, they're they're saying, you know, let's get to work. So as they go through, of course, they're stopping Vandal Savage and really trying to stop Raza Gul and seeing what he's what he's here for really what then transpires is that you see um the the attractor um all of them are trying to protect it but then uh you see uh vandal savage like just put his hand like straight in there and he's grabbing his rock and so uh it looks like a like a security droid hits him and uh, of course, of course, they're trying to do everything they can to protect it. But then you see like this one big explosion as it comes out, and within the explosion, you see like a little orb, like a little protection. It looks like, and then uh, of course, it's just creeper. And then you see like the outsiders right there, and it's it's only them. And then they go, you know, do you realize uh, how much devastation and loss of life you just caused? And he goes, well, he goes, my bad. What a mess. And that's the creeper saying that, which is kind of funny. Of course, a- after everything pans out, they're like, okay, where's Roz and where's Vandal Savage? We see Roz escaping through. It looks like a tunnel, maybe a sword type thing. And then, he's, of course, he's wondering if his dear, Van- dear friend Vandal Savage fared well. Because you then see Vandal Savage, it seems like, in a suit. And then it takes off. And then uh, you see... Uh, of course, a couple of the insiders going to a secret underground river depth beneath the insider's base. And then it goes, um, and it goes, where to now, Sophie? A place to rest, a place to plan, and a place to remember that this was only a battle. And then it shows a big now team picture of the outsiders. And then, of course, as um, it has it to where all the outsiders, let's go home. Our first tour of duty is over. So it kind of lets you let on into like bigger things are coming for this team. So that's Outers, Outsiders Issues 20, guys. Familiar, don't you have anything new? How about this? Alright, so that's going to take us into Gotham City Sirens number two. 
real quickly, the story, there wasn't a whole lot. We, well, at the end of the last issue, Catwoman was about to be, I guess, interrogated by Poison Ivy and Harley as to who was Bruce Wayne. So the issue starts off with actually uh, Catwoman going to see Talia al Ghul basically as a flashback, and Talia tells her that you and I are the only people that Bruce Wayne has ever really loved, and we both know his secrets, and because of that, people are going to try to use that against us. So I'm going to teach you something. If someone tries to find out who Bruce Wayne is, you'll be able to make it seem like you don't know, or that you do know, and you're telling them the truth even though it's a lie. So... Then what happens is uh, we flash back to the present where Catwoman's all tied up with vines. Harley and Ivy are telling her, tell us who Batman is. And finally she says, okay, fine, uh, Bruce Wayne, Jim Gordon, Harvey Dent, before the accident slammed Bradley. So they're trying to figure out how it could be all of those people. They say, you know, how is it possible that one man could have all the things done to him that was one that if it was only one man, how could it be just one man who had all of those things happen to him, just him? That just wouldn't be possible. It makes more sense if it's a team. So they kind of agree and say, yeah, I guess that makes sense. And Harley takes off. She ends up going to the store. And while she's at the store, a bunch of thugs see her and make a comment about how she looks good. Uh, I guess really any woman in these books would look good considering... Gillian March is drawing them, and Gillian March really knows how to draw women, and they make a comment, and someone says, uh, that's the Joker's, uh, girl, we are not going to even touch that. So, then they show the news conference actually talking to Bruce Wayne, and, or Bruce Wayne slash Tommy Elliot, and he's telling them about the money, these thugs come down and kidnap Tommy Elliot, and basically tell him, if you want to spread some money around, you can start by spreading some money to us. So, Harley jumps onto the car and tells them that, you know, Bruce Wayne was the one who signed my parole release, he was the one who sponsored my, you know, the fact that I could get out of Arkham, so I guess I owe him. She ends up making their car crash into a toy store. Once they crash into a toy store, Bruce is about, or I keep saying Bruce because it looks exactly like Bruce, but Tommy Elliot sits there and is about to take out Harley specifically because... Harley was one of the people who had to do with taking all of his family fortune. He's about to take her out when all of a sudden some officers walk in. He gives the officers the gun. Harley uh, sits there and is talking to Tommy Elliot, thinking that he's Bruce Wayne, saying, you know, I've been acting very good, blah, blah, blah. I haven't been doing anything. And he and Tommy says, you know, you haven't, I hope you're not been taking up into your bad influences like the Joker or Poison Ivy. And then she says, no, uh, the Joker and I, we split, and Ivy's been cleaning up her act ever since we moved in with Selena. So then he's like, oh, really? That's cool. Then all of a sudden, uh, we cut to Catwoman and Poison Ivy, and the picture is of Bruce Wayne, Harley Quinn, and this little doll. And they speed towards the store and realize that uh, Harley has now been kidnapped. Well, we are assuming she's been kidnapped because her cell phone's sitting there, and the doll that she had had a knife in it, and she's gone. So, that's the end of Gotham City Sirens number two. <laughs> that's a real gasser, huh, Mr. J? 
I give the punchlines around here. Got it? Yes, sir. All right, so Superman Batman issue 62. This issue focuses on the teaming of uh, the Tim Drake version of Robin, because he's not Red Robin yet, and uh, Supergirl. It starts off with Supergirl flying the Gotham, and she's late because she always forgets how far Gotham, uh, how far away Gotham is. She sees a bum kind of drunk in the street. She's not sure if he's dead or not. She quickly transforms into Linda Lang, which those who've been reading the Superman titles know that that's her recent alias that she adopted, so she can meet Tim Drake for lunch. Uh, Tim is sleeping, and for some reason, he's dreaming about penguins. Uh, so they start to reminisce about, you know, old times together, and they're talking about uh, who's meant their perspective experiences with each of their mentors, how Batman makes things tough for him, and then Supergirl talks about how she has to learn about her own culture and then her culture on Krypton from Superman. So they start to reminisce about a time when uh, when Superman was visiting the Batcave of Supergirl. Batman and Superman had to go away for some JLA business and told Robin to teach her some forensic stuff or something. So while Robin was taking care of something, he didn't really seem like he wanted to be around Supergirl. He's like, just take a tour of the cave which she does in all of one second, which is interesting because uh, <laughs> she actually has been in the cave many times before, but because including her origin story in Superman, Batman, the early issues, Robin's clearly annoyed by all this, and the alarm goes off. Apparently there's something going on in Arkham. Supergirl doesn't know what Arkham is, and uh, he says it's the worst place on Earth. He says that he's going to answer the call, and he wants her to stay there. And she's like, yeah, you're not leaving me behind. Consider me your new partner. They show up, and uh, Commissioner Gordon briefs them, and Supergirl just wants to fly in, you know, fast. She thinks that she's going to use her powers and take care of everything right away. Robin's telling her to slow down. Well, Supergirl gets her education in Arkham really quickly because the first thing that she sees is the Joker performing some sort of a lobotomy-type surgery with a chainsaw on somebody. Supergirl, really, really angry, unleashes her fury on the Joker. There's a funny scene where she's punching him out and tells him to stop laughing. And then he's laughing says, but you're making me laugh. Uh, Robin <laughs> convinced, yeah, it, it's awesome. funny. Robin, yeah, it, it would be even funnier if the Joker was drawn to look like the Joker. <laughs> Robin uh, tells It's Supergirl, an artist interpretation. <laughs> yeah. Robin tells Supergirl not to kill the Joker, and Supergirl's, you know, angry, and he deserves it, but Robin reminds her that they don't kill, so she calms down. Supergirl brings Joker back outside to the commissioner and the police, and she agrees that they probably should do it Robin's way, because Robin knows how to deal with these people, and obviously her flying in, you know, really half-cocked and angry isn't going to do any good. Next room that they go into is uh, Two-Face, Scarecrow, Clayface, and Mad Hatter having a tea party with some of the Arkham doctors. Supergirl and Robin take uh, quick care of them all and then go into the next room, which is kind of uh, sw set up like a swamp right now where Killer Croc and Poison Ivy are. Poison Ivy actually takes care of Robin pretty quickly, but Supergirl winds up using her freeze breath to... Uh, save Robin, and Robin reminds Poison Ivy, yeah, she can pretty much do everything that her cousin can do. And before that, Supergirl made really fast work to Killer Croc, kind of punched him out uh, through the skylight into the uh, street with the police. So they have one more person left, and it's Mr. Zaz. Supergirl walks in, and Zaz has his knife up against this woman, and uh, she's the only survivor in this room, because we see dead bodies all over the place. 
And he knows that she's got her super speed. He's like, yeah, that's right, you know, but are you going to be faster than this blade that's against this woman? You know, the second that you make a move, I'm going to cut her. Do you think you can be that fast? Robin crashes through the skylight, and now he's visibly mad. He's punching uh, Mr. Zaz, saying, bleed, you sick. Look what you've done, you animal. I'm going to... And now it's Supergirl's turn to calm Robin down. He's telling her, stop. We did it. It's over. And uh, it was hard to tell by the art until the last panel, but you can see that the woman that he was holding hostage actually did survive. So we cut back to the restaurant, you know, Tim Drake and Lin- and Linda Langer reminiscing about it, talking about how she was glad that she got to, you know, learn from him and how they, you know, had each other to go through that with. And there's a robbery in progress downtown on Robin's Little Beeper, so... They fly off to take care of it, and then they, you get the little Superman-Batman monologue thing where one person says something in their bubble and the other one says something, and it's Supergirl says partner, Robin says partner and friend. And that's the end of that story. Supergirl. Adventure runs in the family. So that's going to take us into our review wrap-up for this episode. Starting off with Streets of Gotham, I've got to say the writing in this one is is good. I, I mean, it's classic Paul Dini. You can't really get um, much better than this um, as far as what Paul what Paul Dini's known for. It's not bad. I'm not really liking the whole let's give a billion dollars a month away, but that is just a preference thing, I guess, on my part. Um, the art... It kind of looked generic. I mean, Dustin Wen, we, we love his art, but it looked very generic in this specific issue. It didn't look as crisp as the last issue. It doesn't look as crisp as uh, some of the covers for the upcoming issues that we've seen. It, it looked almost too generic. So, um, overall, I'm going to give this uh, three out of five batterings. Okay, uh, for uh, Outsiders 20, um, this was written by, of course, Peter Tomasi, uh, art by Lee Garbett. Um, I thought this was a pretty good story, I mean, considering that, I mean, you you, you kind of make got to make the Outsiders, like, real exciting. And uh, for Alfred to go ahead and, and be, like, a, the leader for the Outsiders in a way, the man behind the Outsiders, um, you know, I can find it to be... Um, kind of hard to go ahead and come up with stories for this but uh peter tomasi who better to go ahead and do this um the art lee garbert i mean he's consistent i mean you cannot hate the guy the guy is consistent his work is clean um i i, I liked it i liked it so i'm gonna go ahead and give this three batterings out of five all right so that's gotham city sirens number two <clears throat> the art I, like I said the last episode when I reviewed this comic, I was very concerned that the art was going to get a little too, too cartoony because Gilliam March, his style is a little cartoony-ish. Um, it's not. I, I'm liking the fact of the way it is presented. Um, the story itself, though, I didn't like. Um, even though it's a Paul Dini story, I didn't really like the story very much. I thought the story was very um, watered down was full of some stuff that oh we have a cliffhanger at the last in the last issue but then the immediately were given a reason of why the cliffhanger cannot really become something of importance um i think that we could have seen this go in a completely different direction as far as they say it was bruce wayne but then she's actually saying it's bruce wayne and then tommy elliott 
I don't like the way it's going this way. I think it could have went better the way that we were thinking of when we talked about it the last time we reviewed this issue. But whatever, that's it is what it is. Um, but the art is really the thing that makes it worthwhile. I like the art. Um, if you like seeing drawings of women, I mean, Gilliam Marks is the guy to, to, to watch because he draws women amazing. Um, so... Really, the story, not so great, but the art itself, really good. That's the saving point. Three out of five batterings. Superman, Batman 62. What can I say? Well, as you heard me say in the review, wasn't too crazy about the art. It was even hard to tell that the Joker was the Joker. And um, I, I guess it's supposed to be ironic that Tim stopped Kara from killing the Joker, and then pages later, he just does a complete, you know, reversal and is about to kill Mr. Zaz, and Kara stops him. I guess that's supposed to be an ironic thing that they're teaching each other. But to me, it was just, you know, kind of inconsistent. And really, Tim had that reaction to Mr. Zaz and was about to kill him after everything that he's seen, like, even in the last year or two. I mean, I guess there comes a time when everyone has a bad day and everyone's had enough, but that was just weird. Now, I am going to give this issue props for, except for the last page, and even the last page didn't do it too cheesily, most stories where that person and the super person team up has that whole thing with the monologue throughout the issue where they're thinking the opposite of each other, because get it? They're opposites. Do you get it? See? Because he said, this is a dream, then she said, this is a nightmare, we didn't have that this issue, which was kind of refreshing, because I get sick of that in the Batman-Superman stories. Now, it was kind of an enjoyable dynamic, even though the art wasn't so good and there were some holes in the story. So I'll go ahead and give it two and a half out of five batterings. Before we get into Bat Books for Beginners, we're going to have a real quick discussion um, about all of the books coming out in October. Now, I'm just going to run through the books that they've announced for October. Uh, the first week, we've got Batman Robin number 5, Batman Annual number 27, Batman Confidential number 34, Batman the Killing Joke, new printing, Batman the Unseen number 1, and that's all for the first week. But surprisingly, that's five different things just in one week. Moving on to the next week, Batgirl number 3, Batman number 691, Batman Chronicles Volume 8, Blackest Night, Batman number 3, Detective Comics Annual number 11, Red Robin number 5, so another six, I think, that yes, six different things on that week. Moving into the next week, here's where it really gets interesting. Azrael number 1, Batman Confidential 35, Streets of Gotham number 5, The Unseen number 2, uh... The Outsiders, number 23. Superman, Batman, number 65. Uh, moving on to the very last week. Arkham Reborn, number 1. Batman 692. Batman Monsters. Batman Brave and the Bold, number 10. Batman Widening Gear. Detective Comics, 858. Gotham City Sirens, number 5. Superman, Batman, Public Enemies, New Edition. So, I mean, oh, and then on top of that, we've got a new series called World's Finest, number 1, which is going to combine Batman's, the new Batman and uh, the current people in Superman with Nightwing and Flamebird into the same series. So, yeah. Tons wow. and tons of books. I think uh, Dan DeDio heard the podcast where we were making fun of him because of the pants thing, and he says, oh, well, I'll show them. So he just said, release as many books as we can in October. Let's see them review all of those. Yeah. 
<laughs> I'm like, okay, the economy is not doing so great. So we're doing like two ninety nine, three ninety nine books. Oh my god, <laughs> everyone's okay. broke. You know what I mean? I know the Killing Joke is an awesome story, but why are we getting another printing of it? Didn't we just have another printing a year or two ago? It's just a year ago. They do a new one like every single year. Yeah, and yeah. it's just like Hush. They they re-release the Hush story on in Trade Paperback like every other year too. One thing that annoyed me about you know, the last reprinting of uh, the Killing Joke was they replaced the Bad Oval because they wanted to make the story seem more contemporary. So they took the Yellow Oval off of Batman. Which to me is like, you know, the whole who shot first in Star Wars. So why do you change those little things? The story's okay the way it is. You know, I, 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 we say that, wow, you know, why are they doing a reprinting? Why are they doing a reprinting? But, you know, in essence, it's, it, that's pretty good. So we, that way we can always go back and get those, those trade paperbacks. I mean, you look at the guys over at Marvel. I mean, the, the issue where, uh, oh, I'm trying to think of it. Was the Fatal Attraction or something like that where uh, Wolverine's Antianium got pulled out by Magneto? If you go try to go find that trade paperback, you're going to look to pay $125 on eBay just for the trade paperback because they haven't done a reprinting for that issue in years. So on the DC side, I think, you know, we can look at it both ways saying, oh, it's bad that they're just doing it a year later. But in essence, that's good for us because all we have to pay is $14.99, $19.99. True. But then at the same time, for those people out there who only collect the trade paperbacks, uh, which... I know there are some people who just collect the trade paperbacks. It makes your trade paperbacks worth absolutely nothing. Yeah, yeah, that's that. That is so true. That, because, that too, um, and I'll, you know, the, instead of reprinting the Killing Joke for the twentieth time, because let's say they skipped reprinting it this time, if somebody wanted to find it, they could find it. Why don't you reprint some other stories? You know, yeah, instead, make a trade paperback of something that, like Apple said, you know, like the Wolverine thing. I know that that's Marvel, but, like, whatever the Batman equivalent of that would be, which is hard to obtain. Yeah, I mean, there's plenty of stories that have never been printed um, that are out there. And mud, pack, mud Pack from the 80s was one. They haven't, we haven't Year seen three. that as a, as a print. Yeah, Year exactly. Three is one of the greatest uh, Batman stories that I've read, and... It ties right into Lonely Place of Dying. It's the first appearance of Tim Drake, and it's not reprinted, which is a crime. It's also been retconned, which is another crime, but that's another Josh rant. <laughs> but yeah, I mean that and that and the the trade paperbacks. I mean those are wonderful. Those are great because um, older com- comic book collectors like myself, you know, with families and doing the whole you know whole paying bills thing. Some sometimes we don't have the ability to go. Hey, every month I'm gonna go to the comic store. Every every month I'm gonna go to the comic store. No, it's like every six months when I do get funds away from the kids, away from the bills, away from the you know the wives or husbands, we'll go buy the trade paperbacks because that's all we got time to do so in that aspect i mean that's a great thing yeah so needless to say it's going to be one very interesting month as far as not only people's pocketbooks becoming a lot more empty if you're a batman fan or people having to make the strong choice of uh which books to pick up and which ones not to honestly i don't think it was the best idea in the world to have um, the annuals come out the exact same time as normal issues come out, and on top of that have double printings of uh, Confidential, double printings of Superman, Batman, um, and then also on top of that have the, you know, put in the new two new series, World's Finest and The Unseen, 
they couldn't have spread this stuff out. Then you get into like December, and then there's nothing going on. Yeah, I am looking forward See? to uh, to the world's finest one. I have to say. And we will be covering the world's finest here on the the podcast. I will tell you, we have decided we will not be covering Blackest Night Batman, but we will be covering uh, we will be covering it in comic reviews on the new blog on the website, which is in the same section that you were, you found it in before. But it will actually be right there, so that way you guys can still find out what's going on with that, even if you're not picking up the book. We just won't be covering it here on the podcast. So, that's all the discussion for now. Let's throw it over to Nick with Bat Books for Beginners. Hello everyone and welcome to another edition of Bat Books for Beginners. My name is Nick and if you're new to this, this is a segment where I review a particular Batman book and we do our best to work through Batman's continuity from the start to the end. Today I'm looking at Batman Dark Victory, which was originally a 13-part comic book limited series written by Jeff Loeb and drawn by Tim Sale. This uh, is a sequel to Batman The Long Halloween, which I reviewed last time, and was originally published from 1999 to 2000. But the question is, is the sequel better than the original? Ladies and gentlemen, 70 feet above the ground. Performing feats of unimaginable aerial skill, the Flying Graysons. Now the plot is very detailed, like the Long Halloween, so I'll be going through it as quick as possible, rather than every single detail. Now during the events of the Long Halloween, Batman captured and imprisoned Alberto Falcone, the serial killer known as Holiday. Months later, a mass breakout at Arkham Asylum occurs, as we begin with Dark Victory. This is orchestrated by Pino and Umberto Moroni, the sons of Sal Moroni. The breakout is staged so that in the confusion, the two can find Harvey Two-Face Dent and kill him as a peace offering to Sophia Falcone. Harvey Dent has vanished, though, along with all the freaks, but Alberto remained in the asylum as he claims he's an innocent man and has nothing to run from. In the aftermath of the Arkham escape, Alberto is granted conditional parole based on his actions during the riot and is stationed in a Falcone residence to be with his brother Mario, who is trying to turn the Falcone family into a legitimate enterprise. Soon after the breakout, the body of Carmine Falcone is exhumed, and his finger is removed and sent to Sophia, now forced into a wheelchair after the events of Long Halloween, as a message someone is going to take everything from her. Soon after that, police officers begin to die, one on each major holiday, with crude hangman games pinned to their hung corpses, and the facts suggest that Harvey Dent is the killer. The new district attorney, Janice Porter, begins working on the case with Gordon and reminding him of Harvey. We also learn that Bruce was close to telling Dent his secret and feels guilty that perhaps if he had told him, things could have turned out differently and he could have saved Dent. Well, Bruce feels that he should have trusted Harvey. We see Alberto starts to hear voices in his permanent residence, taunting him and encouraging him to return as the holiday killer. He begins to believe that his father is still alive. Sophia continues to manage the flagging Falcone empire 
As the hangman spree of terror escalated, so too did Two-Face's war with Sophia and her family. We also learned that Porter the DA is sleeping with Two-Face, and she's giving him information on Gordon and Batman. Gordon decides to assemble a secret team of people he trusts to take down the hangman killer whilst murders continue. Someone later on attempts to kill Gordon with the noose, but Two-Face turns up and claims to have stopped the attack himself raising even more questions for Gordon and Batman. We later learn that Two-Face enlists the aid of his fellow freaks to destroy the remainder of Gotham's Mafia. He's, his lieutenants include the Joker, Scarecrow, the Penguin, and all the regulars that you usually see. They use the sewers to travel and escape. The Joker attacks Sophia and Alberto, taunting Sophia to get up from her wheelchair. But Alberto shoots the Joker, and Batman arrives to capture him. The collateral damage of the war leads to the death of the parents of Dick Grayson, whose uh, trapeze act is sabotaged by Zuko. Dick is taken in by Bruce Wayne, who has no time to comfort Dick, who he sees as a parallel of himself at that age. During a raid of the sewers, Gordon captures Two-Face and takes him to court. Batman then follows Dick to the circus, where Dick has decided to attack the men responsible for his parents' death. Batman saves Dick, brings him back to the Batcave, and reveals his identity. With Bruce thinking of Harvey, and that he should have revealed his identity to Harvey, he trusts Dick, and hopes that revealing his identity to Dick will help Dick cope with the loss of his parents. When Two-Face is in court, he orchestrates an attack with all the freaks attacking the courtroom. Two-Face steals all the evidence and flees via the sewers. Porter later goes to find Two-Face to confront him, but she is shot by him when she tells him she loves him. Her body is dumped on the bed of Alberto Falcone. He becomes frustrated from the voices and breaks a mirror. He sees the calendar man, who broke out of Arkham Asylum, standing behind it with a microphone, apparently teasing him all of this time. The end game of the battle came on the following Halloween. Sophia revealed that she was never disabled and that she committed the hangman murders, targeting all the cops, whether honest or crooked, who had helped Harvey Dent in his career. She then suffocates Alberto to death, she opens the gas lines in the sewers and sets Gotham City ablaze to smoke out Two-Face, who was hiding in the sewers. Saved by Batman, Two-Face turned on Sophia and shot her to death. He then escapes to a cordoned off subterranean area. Two-Face, along with Freeze, Ivy and the Joker, find themselves in the Batcave. Batman's secrets would have been laid bare, except for the timely intervention of Dick, who had been training in secret, wearing his old circus uniform. He made his debut as Robin and help Batman defeat most of the villains. Finally, Two-Face and Batman faced off each other, and Two-Face stated that Gotham belonged to him. The Joker suddenly appeared, shooting Two-Face, who fell off a cliff. Robin then helped incapacitate the Joker, and the dynamic duo is born. Elsewhere, Mario Falcone, a lonely, broken man, burns down his mansion, having lost everything. Catwoman then visits the grave of Carmine Falcone and reveals that Falcone may, in fact, be her father. Finally, we are shown that not only has Two-Face survived, but he has Carmine's body frozen. Okay, son. Okay. I want an APB on this Zuko character now. What about the boy? Mr. Wayne. I was in the audience. Couldn't leave after this. Does he have anyone? No. No family. Some of the circus people want to take him in, but frankly, I'm afraid Zuko might try to shut him up. The boy's a material witness. We'll be here tonight, but I might have to find a safe house. I may be able to help. Now, in review, I think this was a far more interesting one to talk about than The Long Halloween, because I think there's some big flaws with it. 
But firstly, the positives. It's another great murder mystery. I really enjoyed it. Great story again. I did enjoy the Bruce Wayne's reveal to Dick Grayson of his identity and the guilt of Harvey Dent's downfall being the catalyst for that. I thought that was very well done in a way. But um, I'll get on to the negatives about it later on. I thought the story with Catwoman was quite intriguing and I'm interested to find out all about what she's been up to during this book as we will do in the next review. I thought Harvey's attachment to his wife was quite interesting and I thought throughout the book he thought that his wife may come back and play a part. It was quite cleverly done. Going back to Catwoman, I thought she was written very well again. Not Quite a few writers can't quite get Catwoman perfect but Jeff Loeb does. The story had many twists and turns similar to The Long Halloween. I enjoyed the parallels of Dick Grayson and Bruce Wayne. You can really tell that you can really tell they went through similar problems as children and you can tell they're the similar individuals who do need each other. They do a good job of portraying that. And you can really tell as I said before, Jeff Loeb really understands almost all of the characters in the Batman universe and somehow manages to write them all so well. Negatives, certainly more than The Long Halloween. The book may be considered a bit repetitive because it seems a bit like Long Halloween Mark II. I know The Long Halloween was successful, but I think he should have departed just a bit more from that story formula because it seemed very, very similar. But then again, I do enjoy it, so it's an interesting interesting debate there. But I think he should have gone a little bit further afield in his storytelling. I thought Robin in general was rushed. I think um, as I was reading the book, I forgot that Robin was actually meant to turn up. I got a good two-thirds of the way through the book and then Robin turned up and I completely forgot that he was on the front cover and that he was meant to be involved in this story. So that really did shock me a bit. And then there's so little time to explore Robin and Dick Grayson dealing with his parents' death. I thought that was really rushed and... There were so many moments that are left out, which as Batman fans we fill in ourselves. Loeb didn't spend much time on Robin and pushed him in at the end, I thought. And there are signs of it working, but just not enough time. It should have happened way earlier in the book. Either have it a lot earlier or don't bother to use him, because I did think that was a big problem with this book. And one of the problems was I thought the villains suddenly appearing in the Batcave at the end of the book was very contrived. And very convenient that they were underground and all of a sudden, oh, they stumbled across the Batcave. I thought that was very, quite quite poorly done, to be honest, for Jeff Lowe. But that, I thought that let him down a bit. And it was all done just to ensure that Robin actually did something at the end of the book. The art is, you know, the same stuff as Long Halloween. Very stylistic, very distinctive. And it does work for me, I have to say. It's, got, it's quite iconic. It's got some very dramatic panels, especially around the areas of the Grayson's death. And, uh... I enjoy it. Some people find it a bit off-putting, but I think, um, it's very, as I said, it's very distinctive. You know this is Tim Sale when this sort of stuff turns up. And it works for me. I like it. So in conclusion, this was another great murder mystery from Loeb, but maybe he should have departed from the form, from that formula because it's, I think it's a, bit, it's a little bit repetitive. I imagine that he planned on Robin preventing that repetition, but he turned up so late it was too rushed. And I don't think enough justice was done for... Dick Grayson's debut or Dick Grayson's origin and I do not think this is the definitive Robin origin book it certainly doesn't work like that I don't know of any others but I'm sure there are and I'm sure they work a lot better and I will probably come across them with Bat Books for Beginners or I'll ask Josh he seems to know this sort of stuff 
However, a Jeff Loeb book with a few weaknesses is way better than most other bat books out there. But because of the rushed Robin, which should have happened earlier in the book or not at all, it lets it down a bit. As a result, I'm going to give it 4 out of 5 Batarangs. And one note to Warner Brothers, please give us some animated films of The Long Halloween and Dark Victory. I think they will be very, very successful, and I think a lot of fans would like them. So if you're listening, Warner Brothers, animated films, please. Is this where you live? This is where I work. You're the first, correction, second person to see it. Why'd you bring me here? Because I want to know just how badly you want Tony Zuko. What do you mean? Who are you? <gasps> I take it Master Dick's visit will now be indefinite? So that's Bat Books for Beginners for this time. Next, we have one more Loeb and Sale team up. Catwoman When in Rome is coming up next. And this is a story that runs parallel to Dark Victory and tells us all about what Catwoman's been up to as she travels to Italy, and we find out what she's been up to during Dark Victory. And I'm very interested in that, because I think it's been set up very well, and I'm looking forward to finding out. So this has been Nick, and now it's back to Dustin and the guys. R. What's that stand for? Robin. Two against two are better odds. A man's got to go his own way. A friend taught me that. Not just a friend. So that was Bat Books for Beginners. Make sure you pick up the next uh, series so that you can make sure you're keeping up with Bat Books for Beginners. Make sure you're going on to the forums and leaving comments as far as what you thought about the books that Nick is reviewing because that's what makes it worthwhile for him to do. So let's get into your upcoming releases for the next two weeks. Uh, on August 5th, we've got Batman Robin number 3, Batman Confidential number 32, and Nightwing the Great Leap. August 12th, we have Batman 689, Batman the Complete Hush, Red Robin number 3, and Robin Search for a Hero. So that's what we've got for the next two weeks. Let's go over what we will be covering in the next podcast. Um, Hopefully, Josh will have Batman Brave and the Bold for last month and this month all put together into one. Um, We'll have Detective Comics number 855, as well as Batman Robin number 3 and Batman Confidential number so, as always, leave us reviews on iTunes, leave us uh, comments on the forums, you can join the forums, become a member. Like I said in the last episode that we put out, if you have been having a problem with getting registered on the forums, you're just never getting approved, and you keep getting denied, or you just can never log in, and you've tried numerous times, we check the forums once a day to uh, approve people for them. There's a lot of spammers out there, so we had to make it so that we had to manually accept people to, to come in. So if, you are, if you've are if you been trying to get into the forums and you haven't been able to, email us and let us know, and let us know your screen name, and we'll be sure to make sure you get approved. Also, you can email us, obviously, at comic, comicpodcast at thebatmanuniverse.net for any comments or suggestions for future episodes of the podcast. The other thing is, we are looking for staff. Uh, Pretty much we're always looking for staff, but we never really talk about it. We are specifically looking for staff for the website and the podcast. We are looking for video sound, uh, and audio editors, 
for different things. Um, we're looking for co-hosts for future episodes of either the comic podcast or the normal podcast, or if there's a special that you've got in mind that you want to see done and you want to kind of run with it and be the one who leads it, let us know, email us. Also, we're looking for people to review comic books on the website. So even if you're not involved with the forums and you have a great idea as far as you read all the comics and you want your reviews posted up, we'll do that. There's all kinds of things that we're looking for. Um, email us if you're interested in helping out in any section whatsoever, even if I haven't mentioned it and you think there's something out there that you would want to be you want you would want to help out with, but I haven't said it. Just let us know. We'll be sure to try to figure it out. As always, email us comicpodcast@thebatmanuniverse.net. I respond to every email that gets sent to us. And again, iTunes reviews. That's pretty much it. MySpace, we're shutting down. So if you have a MySpace account, I, I, I'm sorry. MySpace is kind of a has been right now. Uh, yeah, <laughs> we, we'll also be shutting down the Blogspot site because that, um, as much as it's a great way to get out our stuff with the new blog that we have, it's actually built inside the site, so you can comment on the stuff on the website right there instead of having to log in the Blogspot. So if you have a Blogspot and you've been following us on there, be sure to go over and check us out on the website, so you can check us check out the blog and the comic reviews and all the other stuff we'll be posting out on there. Um, we will continue to have Facebook. Facebook has proved to be a positive thing as we get more and more uh, fans of the website on there. So if you're not a fan and you have a Facebook account, become a fan. Um, we put out the news feeds on there so that way it's essentially Twitter, but we like Facebook better because you can actually post a lot more pictures and all that stuff that you can't do on Twitter. People have been asking us to do a Twitter. I don't see that happening in time in the future, so I apologize for those of you who are Twitteraholics or something like that. And uh, yeah, just won't be happening anytime soon. So that's everything. I'm Dustin. I'm Apple. You got Josh. Make sure you listen to the normal podcast next week for all the San Diego Comic Con discussions. We'll see you guys next time. Take care, guys. Pip pip. I find it interesting. Wow, well, now I'm starting to sound like Dustin. He always says I find it. Yes, there's a total of 24 Batman books coming out in October. Holy smokes. So we're going to get killed. I love the end of Streets of Gotham where Damien's like to Alfred, yeah, Pennyworth, we're boned. Ever since we moved in with Selina. Selina. Yeah, okay, I don't know why I thought that was wrong. Okay. I was reading this while we were doing all the news and stuff. At that point.